Welcome back to Round Guy Radio. It's Saturday morning. We got the Saturday morning scoreboard show. We got Scotty Melvin and, and Andy Kretzinger of the Southeast Iowa Union. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. Good morning. Well, we Scotty, you and I were uh, uh, treated to one of the greatest football games you could about ever imagine. You saw two teams uh, uh, that did things differently, but uh, they were just uh, – uh, couldn't even settle it in regular time. Maybe we want, you know, I don't know. I think if they played that game a hundred times, each team would win fifty. But what do you think? I said the same thing, I, and I, I didn't say hundred, but I said ten. I said if, if they played ten times, they'd go five and five. It was everything we thought it'd be two evenly matched teams. They do things differently on offense. Um, both had big plays uh, to go around on both sides of the ball. It went to overtime. I mean. I said that I had this inkling it would be uh, 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 on the level of uh, some of the games I remember from top-ranked teams back home in West Central Illinois where I grew up when it was the football power of the state for the small schools, and it was everything I thought it was going to be last night. What a treat for both sides of uh, of the fans there in Albernet and Columbus. Yeah, it was ridiculous, man. I mean, it was you know, I, I'll tell you what I thought about the game that was uh, different than a game you'd regularly see. Albernet really got the advantage of the, the ball control of the time of the cl- possession of the clock by throwing the ball. And uh, they were really great at throwing the ball. They were really great at getting three yards and seven yards. And, you yeah. know, and then, uh, uh, boy, you know, I mean, that – those catches, that one catch in the end zone was just unbelievable that they made, wasn't it? Yeah, that uh, one-hander, and Ryan Timmerman got great footage of it. Anybody wants to see that, get on Twitter. Uh, oh. He got uh, a great shot of that catch. The, the kid, uh, Osborne, tapped it to himself with one hand, one outstretched hand to bring it back to where he could grab it with both on dead run. He just got behind Cade Namagon. He hauled that baby in. They had a few like that that uh, maybe weren't quite that spectacular, but they were close, and uh, they just made enough to pull it out. Yeah, I, I, I watched that a few times, and I realized he did create a little burst of speed right at the last second. And then yeah. he got up in the air, and then he got his fingertips on it, and he brought it down one-handed for a touchdown. That was ridiculous. But there was – It, it wasn't – there was more athletic football there being played on every hike about any time you ever seen in your life, wasn't it? It was, and and uh, then on top of it, they, they used their size advantage a little bit. When you've got big receivers going up against shorter defensive backs, sometimes you throw them a jump ball, and uh, they're going to win that battle 99% of the time, and we saw that happen a few times. Jeffrey Hoback made a great break on a, on a pass. Uh, he had the inside position. He timed his jump perfectly. It was just a little bit over his head, perfectly placed by Mason Neighbor, and the receiver hauled it in, and a uh, big gainer and a first down on that particular play. And it was just that kind of night for them. Um, I felt like Columbus beat them up pretty good. Uh, they made them work for it. I've got the stats here, at least on Al Burnett's side, and Mason Neighbor generally throws for sixty-eight over 68% completion rate. He was held to 55.6 last night. That's a pretty good job by the uh, – Columbus defense, they put some pressure on him, although he handled it well. But, man, he did hit him for 225 yards and four touchdowns, and that was enough to get the job done. Well, we didn't even mention the score, Scott. Tell them the score of the game. 32-31 to 31 in overtime, and, and it was a slugfest early. I didn't think it was going to get to that many points, did you? I didn't know what to think. At the beginning uh, of the game, I was wondering if we're looking at, you know, a, a, a 10-7 to 7 game or something. You know what I mean? I just – yeah. It looked like it was really hard to score, and then all of a sudden, both teams scored every opportunity, and it was just one of them, whoever gets the ball last. Uh, but, you know, you could go through and could have widows or whatever, but uh, uh, it was an unbelievable game. But uh, let's get Andy in there. We've been let, leaving him on yeah. the side here all morning long. Andy, do you have well, it, did you get any impressions too. of this game? Well, what was that question there, Dave? Well, did you do you have any impressions of the Columbus game, or or did you you know get any reporting on it or anything? Yeah, yeah. Well, Hunter was there, and I was kind of following along with my game, and uh, I think the the interesting things is kind of like uh, it looked like the videos. It looked like a playoff atmosphere, and 
it, because of being, you know, having the district championship at the end of the game, Columbus kind of got to play in a playoff game that they lost, and they still get to, you know, continue their season. So, I, you know, that's gotta that's gotta help them out. They're obviously their road to state is going to be a lot different getting a second seed um, versus a one seed. You know, it, it's four four teams getting the playoffs in Class A from each district, and so they would have had a probably a below five hundred team to to play, and they're they're probably going to get matched up with somebody pretty good a third place team for sure um here when they i think the brackets might come out here later this morning even 10 10 30 something like that but um so it, it's different but um having the experience to play basically a playoff game you know you you, you like that well it was uh, it was incredible scotty uh uh the whole i don't know tri-county area was there i mean there was there was people wall to wall on from the from behind the uh, end zone, all the way wrapped around the snack bar and everywhere. Uh, what, what did you, what did you think of the crowd for this game? It was great. It was like I said, it reminded me of where I grew up when we get the, the clash of the two county rivals together in West Central Illinois back in the day for uh, uh, what was the smallest class in, in in that state at the time. You would see standing room only all the way around the field, uh, upwards of 4,000 people at the game. This wasn't maybe quite that many people. I don't know, but it had to be close. Albernet brought a, a good crowd. Uh, I was really impressed with their student section. Remind me of my, uh, my days living in Mount Pleasant, which I have always considered the most raucous student section I've ever personally seen at a high school event. And Albernet was much on that line. I want to challenge the Columbus kids to bring that kind of energy in the playoff game coming this this week, uh, there were times when they were a little bit quiet over there, and you never want to let anybody come in your house and and make more noise than you do. So to get behind those kids and uh, make some noise Friday night. Well, yeah, Albert, you know, you guys are a really great team, really great school. Uh, we interviewed the broadcaster. I, I talked to the coach. Um, this game lived up to the billing, man. It was a it was great, and uh, another thing was great was how many people listened to Round Guy Radio there. Holy cow! I mean, everywhere I talked, and and all the kids' parents and grandparents, you know, they're listening to. And uh, uh, I enjoy your community. You guys are wonderful people. You got a great football team. To, uh, keep your head up because the, when the playoffs start, it won't matter who they play. They'll uh, they'll give them a run for their life, and. Uh, uh, Amagon, great, great game. Uh, Tristan Miller got some late yards, and and I think he's got a a, a score, or, or at least got it right down the goal line for him uh, in a crucial part of the game. Hoback played great. Uh, Russell, Coyle, all that front yeah. four. All that front four was getting in the backfield. Um, they were, and the, like you say, the, you know, they, they limited. That was all, if, if, if all you can do is limit them, but man, that guy's good at, at uh, uh, third down conversions, and uh, he's a pretty high level quarterback. And uh, I guess it—I hate to say this, but it was a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Is <laughs> well, that's true. All right, Andy. Well, you were a pretty uh, uh, big time game with big time implications. Uh, why don't we let you get in on that game? Yeah, I was over in uh, Case Field in Washington, and it was uh, the it's definitely a, uh, a a time when the playoffs are, are on the line for Washington and Fairfield. And even after last night's results, they're still up in the air for both. Um, uh, Washington pulled out the, the the big comeback last night. It was twenty to nothing Fairfield at one point, um, and Washington came back and won thirty five to twenty eight. It looked like through what a quarter and a half. Washington moved the ball okay, but uh, but Fairfield was really threatening to to turn it into a blowout. Um, not only were they up twenty to nothing, but uh, they just seemed to be scoring so easily uh, by uh, Tate Allen finding Max Wheaton. Uh, and he, they had a couple of uh, hookups there in those those first um, wave of touchdowns and. Uh, one of those times, it was they were at the seven yard line, and and Max had about four demons on him, and and Tate threw it up anyway, and and he was just out jumping people over and over and over again, and um, well, it was twenty nothing in the last um, oh, my dog barking right there, it was twenty nothing in the last couple of uh, minutes of the first half. Uh, Washington was able to go score and make it twenty to eight. Uh, James Stra- uh, Strabel had a, a touchdown, a two point conversion right there. 
And so it was, it was 20 to 8 with, with less than a minute left in the first half, and um, Fairfield uh, tried a bomb pass to Wheaton um, about to maybe the the 35-yard line, and, and Ethan Patterson jumped in and, and picked it off and ran it all the way back to the 10 uh, and then threw a touchdown pass on the very next play. So it was um, it was 20 to, um, let's see, I guess it was 20 to 14 at that point at halftime, which, it, you know, in the blink of an eye, it went from 20 to nothing and 20 to 14. And it was a totally different game after that. Um, Washington eventually um, tied the game at 28 to 28 despite an injury to uh, Patterson got landed on his shoulder real bad. Um, he, he, you know, he, he toughed it out um, at the end of the game, but he looked like he had just got hit by a train or something <laughs> when they went at the end of the game, you know, he, um, with the hurt shoulder and just getting knocked around a lot all night. So, um, Taven Stewart came in. Uh, pretty much everyone in the building knew that they were just going to keep running the ball because um, they had the backup. They had the backup quarterback out there for a while, and when they didn't, you know, when Patterson was out there, who knew what kind of a mobility he could have possibly had? <clears throat> he had that. the shoulder injury was looked pretty bad, and they just kept handing it off, handing it off, handing it off, and um, he scored to tie it up 28-28, and then they um, surprised him with an onside kick. A perfect onside kick. The second week in a row, I've seen an onside kick at the end of the game, and uh, and then marched down and with one minute left, um, scored another one. Stewart did, and uh, Fairfield couldn't come back and tie it. So it was it was uh, kind of stunning. As it, if you watched the first quarter and a half, you know people were you know it looked like it was a, a total blowout. It looked like Fairfield could score at will, and that Washington couldn't do anything right. And they just kind of grinded back and grinded back and. Now Washington's still alive for a playoff spot, and Syracuse was a lot less alive than they were coming into last night. Well, Scotty, it was a night of magic all the way around. Uh, talk to me about this Case Field. You told me how tough a place that is, and uh, I imagine it was uh, uh, just going crazy at the end of that game. It's one of those venues that's uh, pretty special. It reminded me of uh, one of the coaches you were talking to, or actually I think when you were uh, talking to Chris Dewar about uh, that place down in Monroe City, down in Missouri. It's uh, in the middle of town, kind of settled in a neighborhood there in Washington, uh, not too far from, like, the hospital and probably not too far from the old high school or whatever. It's a little further from the new one. But uh, it's a great location. Uh, the, the stands are always packed no matter what's going on with a Washington season. I've never seen anything less than a full house there. It's a big thing on a Friday night when the demons are at home. Um, when I was living in Mount Pleasant, Years and years ago, I was there in the area of Mount Pleasant for about 15 years. I've seen many of those classic uh, Mount Pleasant Panther Washington Demon matchups as uh, a guy who was following the, the Panthers up. And then I lived in Washington recently for some years and got to be on the home side with, you know, some of the families and kids that I lifted weights with or whatever uh, as a resident there. And I've there's very few venues I love more than that Case Field. I've seen some crazy stuff there for last 25 plus years it is a tough place to go play and you were the one that said that washington's had fairfield's number for so many years now i thought this was the year the trojans would break that and uh, as it turns out they they couldn't get over the hump again so uh case field magic washington's now got an outside shot at the playoffs and fairfield's uh gonna have a tough road to hoe here yeah well andy what was the place like? How how'd they blow up? Uh, 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 have you been to a game with a much more explosive ending than that? Uh, you, so, well, a few throughout the last few years. It kind of reminded me of um, of when I was at a case field. Uh, Washington beat Mount Pleasant 64 to 61, I think, a few years ago. And I was at a, a double overtime Waco New London game that had a lot on the line a few years ago, too. That kind of, it kind of was that feeling, you know, where, where it was. But it wasn't. You know, it didn't feel like one of those clash of the Titans where both teams are punching back and forth. They really felt like Fairfield had control of the game until, you know, probably the start of the fourth quarter was the first time it seemed like Washington. It seemed like Washington was hanging out by a thread even after the first half. And then um, and then by the last couple of offensive possessions, all of a sudden Washington was kind of running at will. So, yeah, w- uh, one thing Scotty said that uh, it, it is, it's right in the middle of a neighborhood. It's, it's right in the middle of town, and I think that makes it, kind of a cool venue is, is you're just surrounded by residential houses. Um, there isn't really a, a, not a real parking lot. There's a little one, but there's not a real parking lot, but there's plenty of parking because it's so in the middle of town that you just have whatever street parking you can find. Um, and yeah, and I know it, Washington has been the school that 
wins the football games that they're not supposed to win. Since I've been in Southeast Iowa for eight years, you know, the, the, the games where I think that they're outmatched talent-wise, um, even games where they don't play super well, it just seems like, you know, those 50-50 games, no matter who's supposed to win, it, it almost goes, always goes to Washington. So uh, that, that puts Washington in um, a position where the Demons will be cheering for Fairfield next week. Uh, Washington will be playing West Burlington Notre Dame, which they'll be big favorites, although I do not know Ethan Patterson's uh, status for, for that. I, you know, he, he might almost, I don't know what they'll do. He, he said after the game, he said there's nothing that could keep me off the field. So we'll see, we'll see. but he looks, it looks pretty bad. Um, and if Fairfield beats Grinnell next week, it sets up a three-way tie uh, between the three schools, and they've all beat each other. So it's going to be RPI standings, which is a little unlucky for Fairfield and Washington, especially Fairfield, because I think RPI-wise doesn't really uh, favor Fairfield um, as much as if it was a point differential thing, which I think it should be a point differential thing if there's a three-way tie. But, um, so Grinnell's probably the favorite there, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. All right, well, that's a great segue to the next game I want to talk about, and that is this Burlington-Liberty uh, game that went down to the last seconds of a 29-28 Liberty victory where Burlington had a lead for uh, quite a bit of this game. And, you know, before we say anything else, I nominate Nolan Simpson as the player of the week, the year, the century for the performance that that boy put on in both. I come home and watched, uh, I watched as much as I could before I passed out, which was uh, uh, not very long because that was a, uh, a big night there in Columbus took a lot out of me. Um, <laughs> but uh, man, that kid played on fire. But I, uh, I, I don't. This is for either one of you that knows. Uh, it looked like Graham Beckman was out at the end of the game, and I was just kind of watching the last. I don't know. I probably watched the last 10, 15 minutes of the game to see what was how it was going to end. I don't have. Well, go ahead, Andy. If you know something, because I know nothing. No, I don't know anything about that. I, 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 I was surprised. I was shocked at the score. I especially think yeah. you know, Mount Pleasant just had Burlington on the ropes last week. You know, they could have lost to Mount Pleasant, his a winless team, and all of a sudden they almost knocked off a team that I think could be in the dome. But I don't know whether or not Graham Beckman was hurt, whether or not Liberty had all the varsity kids in. Um, or what the deal was, but that was definitely the most, most shocking score of the night to me. Well, I noticed they had the backup quarterback, and and that's all I, I noticed. You know, I didn't see the part where he came out of the game or any of the part that he played, uh, mm. but uh, the kid was great. I mean, the kid let his team down there, got a win, and then they, they went for two. I mean, both teams scored four touchdowns, but one of them got a two-point conversion, and that was the difference. I mean, it was essentially that close and uh, yeah Burlington wow you guys are great I mean this is you're playing the, your best football when you're supposed to you know right here at the end uh I guess I'll just go let's see uh Andy you start this one well uh yeah I, I, one thing I'll say is that it it seems like it's going to set up a huge game next week between Burlington and Fort Madison Fort Madison just had to play the two well, I mean, you could make an argument that Fort Madison got the most unlucky end of the schedule ever because they had to play North Baton Liberty, and now apparently if Burlington's playing this good. But, you know, I, Burlington did score at will on the ground last week. You know, I, Mount Pleasant struggles to to stop the run, so it, it's hard to tell kind of, you know, exactly how good they are. But, you know, if Burlington can score like that, then they're going to be pretty dangerous, and if they can sneak into the playoffs, if, you, if you're third in the district with North Baton Liberty, I'm sure you're – you're pretty up there with some of the better teams in other districts, but um, yeah, I don't know. That it was it was definitely puzzling. And if it was the very last week of the season, I would say, oh, Liberty probably just you know was playing backups or something. But I'm seeing on Twitter that Graham Beckman at least played at the start of last night's game, so I don't know. Um, but that I, I I guess that kind of moves Bur the Burlington Fort Madison game at this point becomes a, a playoff game of, of its own, and that's uh, that's going to be a wild one if Burlington's playing as well. Well, Scotty. Uh... I talked to the to the uh, Scott Mason and John Flaherty before the game in that fantastic wraparound show. Man, do yourself a favor and listen to that. But they said that even losing this game was going to help their RPI so much because the combined record of the teams that they'd already played wasn't so good. Probably most of that's probably because of uh, 
Mount Pleasant hadn't even won any games, you know. Uh, but the uh, but after that night, adding all those wins in, that pretty much just erases uh, uh, all the Mount Pleasant losses and puts them in a, a lot better category. Plus the the how well they played in this game, yeah, they're going to be moving moving up and moving up big time. So what do you think about that, Scott? I think it's great. I, I, uh, I think in our preview, I can't remember if I picked Burlington or Fort Madison to finish ahead uh, behind North Scott and Iowa City Liberty. I, I can't imagine that Iowa City Liberty um, took this game lightly or played uh, backups, you know, or whatever at this point in the season. I think you still want to win out and, and uh, you know, they likely rocked up the, the district championship uh, at this point. But, uh, yeah, I, d- I doubt they uh, – took this one lightly at all. So I think this uh, speaks really well for Burlington. Um, yeah, they lost, but it was by a point. I don't know, Andy, can you can you help on this? Does losing clo- a close game like that, is that better than getting blown out, say, 49 to nothing with this RPI system? Uh, it's, it's not It's not that. It's, it, the, the points, um, the amount that you win or lose by doesn't matter, but the year okay. point matters a ton. And so Liberty, because they're playing 5A schools, uh, their yeah. their RPI is four, so play just even if they would have lost a million to nothing, that would have helped okay. their RPI. So and, and and last week I just looked it up last week Fort Madison was seventh in RBI RBI Fort Fort Madison was second in <laughs> RPI and Burlington was fourteenth in RPI, um, which means that basically the winner next week has to be in because that that's too far yeah. up to and then and another thing uh, the three back to the three A thing because Mount Pleasant. Play, because Mount Pleasant and Fort Madison play in that district, which has, uh, which is probably one of the better districts in 4A RPI wise, it helps the 3A schools because it, your your opponents' opponents also matter. So okay. Fairfield get a little bit of a bump because of the existence of Liberty and North Scott and Burlington doing so well because your opponents' opponents' record plays a factor in that. And so kind of it's a it's a big thing, but uh, that helps everybody. Well, I should have asked. Great I, to hear. I should have asked the opposite question to each one of you, but uh, uh, thanks for saving us there, uh, Andy. Well, Scotty, uh, give us a quick uh, uh, rundown of this game. Just your thoughts on it real quick because we need to keep moving a little. Yeah, well, uh, I'll be interested to hear what Mac Meek has to say. Anything that's uh, going on with Graham or Iowa City Liberty, he's going to have uh, all, the, all the story on that, so that'll be cool to hear. But I want to spotlight Burlington, Nolan Simpson, he has been a beast for uh, uh, more than a few seasons here. And uh, I said early in the season, this team will go as he goes. But as it turns out, you know, Gabe Robinson at quarterback has proven to be stellar and is making a name for himself. Caden Shizzle as well. This team is not a one-man show by any means. They've got some brutes up front, and their names escape me right now. I know there's a Perez Hall and uh, uh, John uh, Shulka or something like that. Got him on Twitter. Um, these guys. Um, they're they're good. That's all you can say about Burlington. They're good. And uh, congrats to them. They've got this big showdown coming with Fort Madison next week. And uh, I'm not going to pick someone to root for because I love them both. But uh, it's just going to be really cool to see how this fleshes out. Yeah. Well, Scotty, uh, I guess I'll uh, – uh, there was a bit – there was a little uh, – some people were uh, saying that uh, what you said about Highland uh, – you know, I don't know. They're a little upset about it, but at the end of the day, it was a correct evaluation, and I want to, uh, I'm going to stand right by you on that because uh, Pekin looked really good and finishes three and one at home. So, what do you think about Pekin? Uh, uh, how, how they performed? My comments speak more to Pekin than they do to Highland, and of course, someone's going to be offended when when you pick against them or you say something like they have no chance. But I was speaking from what I feel is my opinion. And that's all it is, is a very uneducated <laughs> opinion that, that Highland had no chance going into Pekin because of the way Pekin seems to play at home in front of their home crowd this season. They're the only team outside of, you know, this game we saw last night uh, with Albert that has given Columbus any kind of a challenge all year, and that was at Pekin. And that's why I made the comment that I did, that if they were listening, they also heard me say that the Highland Huskies have made a lot of improvement throughout the season. And, yes, they're finishing – out with zero wins, but what did we see last year with a Pekin? 
they finished with zero wins. Look at what they've done this year. What do we see out of Central League? You know, they're in the playoffs this year after two winless seasons. That's where Highland's at right now. Sometimes that's where your program goes, and it's got to start somewhere. And they've made strides all year long, and I expect that to translate into some wins next season. But, yes, I didn't feel that that was going to be the case last night. Deacon did win 35-8. to Well, Andy, let me ask you you this. Uh, You know, um, Scotty and me, you know, every time each one of us picks a team, uh, everyone else gets mad. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's kind of our job to evaluate, and all we're giving out is opinions. But uh, um, what what did you – what do you think of the the Pekin game, though? I mean, how big is that for the win, and how much does that do for the community? And uh, where, where are we at on this rebuild? Because it just seems like I, I think they did all the right things this year, don't you? Yeah, you know, and, and Pekin and Highland both play in a – obviously that's a tough district. When you're playing Belplane, Lisbon, Columbus, and, and Albernet, you know, if you're if you're not at your top notch, you know, if your program's not at its top notch right now, it's hard to, hard to compete with those teams. And so, and so in my opinion, Pekin won uh, three of the four games that were winnable for, for them this year with, you know, I think they, well, I guess Waffle is still pretty tough, but I, I would put that in the, in the mix of games that they, they could have won. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's high school sports and, and sometimes your senior classes and your junior classes, you know, play a lot of football and they, um, build some big teams, but for both these teams, they're younger, less experienced. Um, it was great for Pekin to get um, a handful of wins this year. Obviously, as, as stuff goes along, um, you're going to be playing local teams that are losing a lot of talent. I don't know where Pekin will end up. It's going to be redistricted because it's two years, so they won't be play- they might not be playing the Albernets and Bell Plains of the World next um Next year, band and Highland, you know, of all of all of our schools, it's not just even football, but the Highland boys' sports last year were dominated by the senior class more than any other team. I think, you know, the seniors got a lot of minutes in basketball and football and baseball, and so and and football is is the one where you really can't expect kids that have been playing JV and you know freshman games to step up and start beating kids that have been playing varsity. So um, for Highland, it's, it's really just a play it through year and, and hopefully can build something. But, um, yeah, Pekin Luke, Luke Long uh, is a senior, so that's going to be a huge uh, trouble for them to replace because he was their leading receiver last year and kind of their everything man this year at quarterback. But um, that um, Will Adam ran for 202 yards and two touchdowns last night for Pekin. So he's a sophomore. So they got stuff to build around, and um, I expect these two in the same district next year, no matter who they're, who they're playing, because I think they're both going to stay in A and, We'll see if they can kind of build up a playoff run here. Okay, I want to talk about the Nepo game because we didn't. Uh, they played Durant last week, and we didn't even uh, talk about it. And uh, I wanted to hear uh, your thoughts. Uh, I don't know whose turn it is. Let's go with Scotty. Oh, yeah, I was uh, <laughs> sitting there in the stands at Columbus, you know, and I, I know some people there, and uh, uh, one of my friends hollered at me from down the way. Um, she says, hey, Minneapolis already sat their starters. They're up 30-something to nothing in the first quarter. I said, well, you know, we, we had no uh, no doubts about that. This is, you know, a few of our schools, like a, like a Waco and Minneapolis, you know, they basically tune-up games. They, they were foregone conclusions before kickoff, you know. But uh, that's okay. That, that uh, in a way, gives you a, a, a chance to rest your starters some, maybe give them a few rests and rest them heading into postseason. Uh, for a team like Eliza Muscatine, gives them a chance to play against the other team's backups, see how, you know, they stack up against that that uh, part of it because they're a little short on numbers or what have you. But, uh, yeah, no surprises there. Um, that, that was one of those games we expected to be uh, lopsided, and it was. Um, I got the score written down here somewhere, but I can't find it. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, Eliza Muscatine and Meepo. Oh, I don't have the score written down for that one. I think it was like uh, 50 to 17 or 10 or something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I got you on that guy. It was 55 Okay. 55-7. Well, uh, they close out a pretty solid season. Let's just uh, – they got a pretty solid uh, second spot. What do you guys uh, think on Meepo's year? Uh, Andy, I guess. Uh, well, they had a great, they had a great year. Obviously, they have a, I'm, they have a class. The fact that Durant got fourth in a district is crazy to me. That's such a strong, <laughs> Minneapolis, Regina, and Durant. 
one thing I'll say, again, I think they're coming out with the, with the opening round playoff games this uh, today sometime, and I could see if Nico and Sigourney Kyoto win their first playoff game, I could definitely see that, that as a next-round matchup. Uh, Meepo and Sigourney Kyoto, because Meepo got second in their district. Sigourney Kyoto got uh, first in theirs. That just seems like the ideal matchup, and that would be one of my favorite playoff games if that happens. Yeah, yeah uh, well, I just think they've got so many great, talented players and uh, at all kinds of different positions. And got the best punter in the prospect in the nation there. Isley's great. You just go on it on and on with how great they are, but uh, uh, I meant, meant to mention them last week on this, and I didn't, but we did talk about them in the Muscatine report, so, but but you guys are, uh, I'm, I'm sorry about that last week, but uh, Andy, why don't you pick out a score that you're itching to tell us about? Yeah, well, um, so we had, we had, um, let me pull up my scoreboard here, we had a few blowouts, but one of the scores, and it wasn't as much the score, it was whether or not they were going to win by enough to get to the playoffs. And Winfield Mount Union was our only team that was a true bubble team for the small schools, you know, that you thought they could get in, they couldn't get in. They had, they had to have a, a good enough um, point differential winning by 17. I actually only said 35 last week because I was uh, still living in 2008. It used to be 35, and I, they, ch- they changed it to 17 because they thought 35 was running up the score. But I think the 17 is almost too low. But um, they would have won by anything because Winfield um, – Let's see what the final on that. Winfield Mount Union beat English Valley 71-8. to They got that um, last spot in the playoffs. Well, not even the last spot. I think they got the second-to-last spot because they got one of those two at-large teams or at-large uh, wins. Um, and we had, we had a few of our teams that are already going to the playoffs have blowout wins. You know, Waco 42-10 to over Tri-County, New London 72-14 to over HLV, and Sigourney Kyoto 69-20 to over Van Buren County. So everyone, everyone kind of, besides Columbus who was playing – uh, basically a playoff game already. All, all the other teams that will be in the playoffs were able to score a ton of points and, and just beat on uh, teams to get ready for next week. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you think, Scott? Well, just to piggyback on that a little bit with Winfield Mount Union, um, I don't know what you guys think, but, uh, you know, the fact they lost three games, I, I figured them and Waco, and I think a lot of people thought it would, would be the uh, district championship game there a week ago or whatever, but they – you know, the one thing we all said, Coach McCarty said it too, they're short on numbers. And even in eight-player football, that that can affect your season if you get a couple key injuries here and there. And they've spent some of the season dinged up. But I, I said, and I think many people have said it, that they would be one of the best teams you ever saw not make the playoffs if they didn't get in. For me, it would have been an absolute tragedy if they didn't get in. Mm-hmm. But um, I think they cinched it up. Good for them. Proud as hell. And uh, the Wolves are in, and they are the last team I would want to face in eight-player if I'm a one seed. So this is going to be a very interesting uh, playoff pairing. I can't wait to see who they're paired up with. It's going to be tough to decide where to go to uh, see a playoff game next Friday, guys. Yeah, it is. Well, well, so that's official? Breaking news right here in Round Guy Radio? Winfield Mount yeah, Union yeah. Wolves is in the playoffs? Yeah, they're in, baby. You heard it here, boys. Well, what are the scores? Uh, well, I got one you'll love, Dave. Uh, just it? one, and then Andy can go go nuts. But Des Moines North Polar Bears traveling to the Atoma Bulldogs. We said there was a path to maybe five wins for Atoma. By God, they got it done last night, 32-20 to 20 at home. They are 500 and a winnable game next week. What about that, Andy? Uh, uh, Scotty and I both said that there could be five. Well, at least Scott said there'd be five. I just agreed with Scott. But uh, uh, how about that for prognosticating? Yeah, that's pretty huge for Atumla. Um, Atumla is, is a small is a kind of a small 5A school, and they play a lot of big, big schools. And, and uh, that's real cool for that program that they, you know, they, there were some, a few years ago, there were some dark days when they just couldn't figure out a win and they couldn't beat even the smaller teams. And all of a sudden they're, they're competing in uh, the big districts, and and you never know. Maybe this it, it'd be it'd be wild one year for for a tumble to notch a uh, you know a playoff team and host a playoff game and five A would be really fun. So I don't know what what the makeup of the team is as far as seniors, juniors, sophomores, and freshmen, but it's it's real cool when teams like a and Burlington can can have teams that uh, you know get a get a little excitement rolling. Well, Scotty, their RPI got to be really rocking, and uh, um. So, 
does it, Tumwa could actually get in the playoffs? We could have a, uh, two 5As? Or what, is Burlington 5A? Burlington's 4A. So we could have, we could have, oh, five. man. Yeah, I don't think a Tumwa's IRPI will be good enough. You guys follow them a little bit more than me. Uh, that helps uh, That helps Fairfield because Fairfield played the Tumwa, but I don't know with only five wins if they'll be able to sneak in. Well, they might get six, though. No, they, they can only get five, and I tend to agree with Andy on that. It's, it's kind of weird how they, and I understand it, but the state kind of separates the, the 5A schools in a tumble. They don't, they're in the same district as Southeast Polk, but they don't play Southeast Polk. It's like they don't, they know they've probably got to make some more tweaks to this uh, class system because in a tumble cannot compete with a West Des Moines Dowling or uh, an Ankeny in the Southeast Polk. And uh, it, I don't know what they're going to do going forward, but Let's just celebrate that Atoma is sitting at four and four with a real good chance at five and four uh, with the win next week, a uh, winnable game. And uh, I don't know how the chips are going to fall. I, I don't see them probably getting in the playoffs because of that RPI. They play uh, the Des Moines City schools and then and and some schools that are smaller than themselves, uh, classes below. So I, I don't see it happening. But man, a winning season for the Bulldogs in that super tough, uh, you know, five A field that they play in largely. I mean. I, I can't really say enough about that. Well, I watch them all the year long, and they're exciting and fun to watch. And and uh, my hats off to them. They're, they're really, really good. You had a great season over there in Ottumwa. You all should be proud. And uh, uh, wait, you know, I, I think you won pretty much every game you had a chance to win. Really. Well, uh, Annie, let's move on and find some other ones. Yeah, I'm trying to think here. Let's see. I already got the the A-mans out of the way. Um, I'm, I'm trying to look for some from smaller ones. Look who we got. Tom, what did Central Lee do? I I uh, didn't see. Uh, they 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 lost. Uh, but it was uh, they put some points on the board. Um, I did see that score. Let me see. Forty-four to seven. Forty-four to seven. Well, what do you? They, you know, Centerville's tough. Now it's tough for them, but uh. Still played all right, I think. I mean, uh, most of the time, no, you don't score nothing when you play Centerville. What about Mid Prairie? Mid Prairie beat uh, yeah. the Golden Hawks, or I mean, the Davis County Mustangs. The Mid Prairie yeah, Golden Hawks won forty-two to six, and and clinch a playoff spot there. Yeah, that that's huge for Mid Prairie. Um, I think I, I forget. I think mathematically, they technically were already in a playoff spot. That means they get third um, in that district which they will definitely be able to compete with, you know, a second-place team. So um, when, the, when these playoffs come out, that'll probably be one of the closer games. Uh, I'm, re- I'm really excited to see who McCrary plays, who New London plays, who Winfield plays, uh, who else is going to be in that second, third area. Because I think the top teams like Waco is going to get a run-over game where they win by 70. And uh, Sigurd yeah. and I think, is going to win. You know, they're going to get one of those too. But it'll be real interesting to see those second- and third-place teams who they match up with because those will be the real exciting games next week. What's your thoughts how on it? How likely is it? Uh, I just wanted to ask real quick, how likely is it that Sigourney Kyoto and Durant rematch in the first round like they did a year ago um, when the playoff pairings come out? That's a good question. They're not, they try to not uh, do that. It's funny because I would say because of Sigourney Kyoto losing in the non-district and still being a district champion, I would say that that would be the ideal uh, first-round matchup because if they know Durant's really good, they might view Sigourney Kyoto as a weaker champion just because of the losses. But they try, they try not to uh, um, have those teams play again. Uh, but then at the same time, we're in Southeast Iowa, and sometimes they just say, oh, forget. they're trying to match up teams, and they say, forget it, these two teams are close together. So um, yeah. that would be yeah, that would be really interesting. I, I, I'm sure that people who are Sigourney Kyoto fans would say they would want that because they'd want the chance to revenge. But from a, a strategic point, I would not want that for them because they deserve to be able to play a, a lesser team, you know, a team that, that's not as good. I totally agree. <laughs> All right, I got one for you here. Iowa Valley 36, Lone Tree 22. Uh, Lone Tree caps a pretty respectable season here. That yeah. one was close. I was following that one. It was close for the entire game. Yeah, and that was that one mattered because if Lone Tree would have beaten Iowa Valley, um, then that would have set up a three way tie with Winfield, and that would have thrown everything through a loop as far as the playoffs in Class Eight players. So, 
So that makes Iowa Valley a three seed. They're going to be a tough three seed, and Winfield's going to be a tough four seed. And you might just see all four of those teams in that same district against each other in the playoffs here coming up. All right. Well, uh, here's a here's a here's a head scratcher. Pella Dutch thirty five, Clear Creek Amana Dose. <laughs> Amazing score there. Uh, Pella spent most of the season winless. And now they're rolling, and next week they have a shot at getting in the playoffs in that district. How crazy is that? It's uh, um, wow. What what happened? Someone lit a fire under the Pella Dutch. They just started just knocking people for a loop. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I I grew up in Sheraton, and Pella was always, you know, they were always the team to beat in our district. Um, and even, you know, the past however many years they were going and winning state championships, they've always been one of the best football teams. They've always been one of the favorites in formerly 3A, now 4A. And it seemed like this was finally the year that Pella might not be quite there on football, and now all of a sudden they're beating a team like Clear Creek that badly. They, uh, uh, they're, what are they going to get in their district? Because they're going to I think that pushed them out of the playoffs. I think yeah, that, that, I read it. I read it online last night somewhere. I can't remember the source, but it said that with this win, they've got a very winnable game next week. I forget who they play, but uh, they will get in the playoffs if they win next week. And it'll be only three wins on the season for them. But you know, it's Tella. I wouldn't count them out ever because we know what caliber athletes are, uh, that are in that town. Yeah, yeah they're they're going to get what third in the district, or, and their RPI I'm sure is fine because they play in Des Moines, which means. They play only strong teams, so um, even even being two, three, and six looks like what in four a four Xavier, Xavier first, Washington second, and then well, I guess Newton beat Pella, but but I'm assuming that Newton probably has to play one of those big teams next week. No, they play Kansas City, Indiana. So yeah, that's crazy. By the way, who put that district together? Cedar Rapids, Xavier, Cedar Rapids, Washington, Pella, Newton, Clear Creek, and Oski. That's a pretty tough district. Yeah, it's insane to be. Well, uh, how about uh, Wapolo uh, putting it 45-6 to six to North Cedar and pushing Pekin's uh, playoff dreams aside? Well, yeah, I'm going to – go ahead, Andy. Yeah, that's true. And I think I think that Pekin probably mathematically couldn't um, – no, they couldn't have made it anyway because if they would have tied, it would have went to head-to-head. So, Wap, unless Lisbon would have lost, I guess. I'm just looking at it right now. So, Wapolo, I think, was in already, but – um, they at least got to uh, put some points up, and, and obviously Wapolo is going to be matched up with a district champion and probably a ranked team next week. So good to put up some points now and try to get a little momentum going. Well, Scott, Wapolo wins one, lose one, wins one, lose one, wins one. Uh, they did it all well, year if, long. If we, uh, well, what's your thoughts on them? You know, if we go back to our preview show, I picked Wapolo to finish uh, first in the district with Lisbon second, Columbus third, Albert at fourth, and as it turns out, as much as I'd love to pat myself on the back, I did pick all four teams that made it into that uh, Class A District 5 playoff scenario, but I picked them backwards from top to bottom. <laughs> so, uh, good for Wapolo. I mean, they're in, but, uh, um, you know, they're going to get a tough draw being uh, the, the fourth team of the district, so I'm curious to see if they go from the win-one-lose-one formula again here in the first round of the playoffs. It's going to be a, an uphill climb for them, whoever they get. Well, they're an interesting team this year. Just uh, yeah, uh, you just you know every other week they won every other, every other game all year long, and they deserve to go to the playoffs. And I think they they are uh, you know they're they're a deserving team to go to the playoffs. Well, uh, here was a matchup uh, that Scotty and I uh, covered. I'm going to talk to you, Andy, first about this: Clinton River Kings 49, Mount Pleasant 26. Yeah, that that was disappointing because after last week's Burlington game, it seemed like you know Mount Pleasant was healthy again, and maybe they could go up there and give them a game. But something about Clinton, uh, because Clinton and Mount Pleasant were supposed to play a close game last year, and Clinton blew them out. So something about the way Clinton plays just doesn't quite mesh with with Mount with how Mount Pleasant plays. Because Mount Pleasant gave you would have thought they would have got Clinton a lot better of a game than they did Burlington. And they almost beat Burlington, and, and Clinton blew them out. So that was a tough night for Mount Pleasant. Now it's really tough because you're you're searching for your first win in the last week of the season. And you're playing against North Scott, and I, you know, as, as we said, sometimes at the end of the year, you hope that the other team is going to be playing their JV for most of the game, and and you know, North Scott maybe will will try for a half and and put JV in after that or whatever. But 
Um, it's going to be tough for Mount Pleasant to try and scoop up a win. They had they had their their one real big chance. They had two big chances with West Burlington and Burlington both at at home. But um, maybe the drive up. It's not a very fun last two games when you're looking for a win. You're driving all the way to Clinton and then you're driving all the way to Eldridge. You know, two weeks in a row. But um, I haven't seen too many staff enough. They put up points again, but it was um, Clinton had you know forty something points at halftime. So. Um, whatever Clinton was doing offensively, they scored at will in the first half. Well, Scott, uh, I just kind of want to move on with uh, uh, Moravia forty-six, Murray six. Uh, uh, Mohawks back on on track. What, what what are your thoughts on that one? Well, that's kind of a light uh, score load for Moravia there, but uh, <laughs> they, they won by plenty. Um, and I just kind of skimmed through the the scores out west a bit. Uh, when it comes to the A player, because quite frankly, those those districts I think were largely cinched up a week ago, and it looked to me like the uh, the haves versus the have-nots this week, uh, largely over that way. I saw Cam Anita one big, Audubon one big, uh, Southeast Warren one big, Moravia one big. Those are the teams we kind of keep an eye on over there for at least this season, and uh, they're all going to be in the playoffs, I believe. And uh, there's a good chance we're going to see some of those guys. Uh, Hopefully over here and not on the road, but uh, we'll see how it shakes out. But yeah, there's uh, the 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 cream has risen to the top, and now it's playoff time. Well, I'll read those scores real quick. Southeast Warren uh, sixty-seven, Lamoni Demons uh, twenty-four, also Martindale St. Mary Blue Devils sixty-two, Seymour yep. uh, forty-two. So that must have been a good game. Uh, Andy, have we missed anything in the Southeast Iowa Union area? Uh, nothing in our area that I can think of unless it really blew past my mind. I think we got them all. All right. Well, I'll throw a couple scores your way. Tell me if you got any thoughts on this game. The Baxter Bolts uh, get back on winning track with the 82-6 Twin City Sabres rattling. And then the uh, uh, Montezuma Braves, who seem to be just taking the, uh, uh, their district by storm. 78 Woodbury uh, Academy Knights, nothing. Uh, what are your thoughts on those? Those are a couple of playoff-bound teams. Yeah, well, I was looking hard at that district last night because I was trying to figure out who, who our teams are going to be matched up with. And I think that um, I think that the Union area teams are going to be matched up with either either the Baxters, Brooklyns, and Montezumas of the world and Grandview Christian. Well, Grandview Christian's not going to make it, I don't think. Or um, the Southeast Warren, Moravia, Martindale, St. Mary's of the world. So um, I, it looks like that district was... One of the crazy ones, uh, Montezuma won the district, even though they were third place in the BC Moore computer rankings. Uh, Baxter got second and Brooklyn got third. So those, those are kind of districts where if you match up, you're, you might be playing a, a third place team that's a first place team skill level or, or the opposite. So um, we'll see on that. But um, it was a good job by ba- Baxter, according to the computer rankings and all that you know nerd stuff or whatever is the, is the highest strength of that district. And um, in that area, Southeast Warren uh, by far is the highest strength of of, uh, of those playoff teams. So we'll see how that happens. We'll, we'll see. We'll probably we'll be going over to play one of those guys, and and one of those and a couple of those guys will be coming over here to Henry County to play Winfield and Waco, or uh, to play Waco and New London. Well, uh, I got a couple other scores. I guess we'll probably wrap it up uh, on the scores anyway. But Newell Fonda Mustangs seem to have received a forfeit. Which goes down in the books here is a one to nothing win against R. We VA Rockets, uh, Westside Iowa, and the Remsen uh, St. Mary's uh, uh, Hawks uh, 61, uh, Gildan Rattles Wildcats 6. Uh, Andy, you tell me, uh, we talked a little bit one time about a playoff scenario where you get a, you don't get a 17 point win here, uh, uh, how that affects the playoffs. And then Andy, you talked to me, or uh, Scott, you talked to me about Rins and St. Mary's. Uh, what do you think? How good they are? But uh, Andy, you start. Seventeen point thing. I think. I think it's a forfeit. I think you get seventeen points on that. You Almost possible. It wouldn't make sense for you not to, because then it would be when you're playing teams that end their season early. Those are usually the teams you're going to beat by seventeen. I don't know for a fact, but I'm pretty sure if you get a forfeit, that's that you just get set plus seventeen on your rating. Well, I just don't know how to treat a forfeit uh, the, the, the right way. But, oh, uh, Scotty, tell me about this uh, Remsen St. Mary's Hawks. They just seem to be pretty infallible. 
Well, they're they're uh, out in northwest Iowa. Um, I remember listening to the game that they played in the Dome last year uh, in the semifinals against uh, Easton Valley, I believe. And I believe uh, that was a very close game. And I think a lot of people had maybe Rimson St. Mary's favorite last year. But as, as it always happens, you know, when you get to your top four teams, it's anybody's guess who's going to come out of it. And uh, that was a player last year, and it was exciting. And there were probably more teams, including our Waco Warriors, that could have just as easily been there and competed at the Dome. But Rimson St. Mary's, uh, something that struck me about them last year, and they bring back a lot of the same characters. I don't know all their names or anything. I'd have to dig it up. But, uh, and we talked about this a little, over, a little bit over the season. I seem to have a real bad taste in their mouth that they didn't get to that title game. And it seems to be driving them this year. Uh, not only do they have the talent, uh, but they've got that little extra gear of wanting it more or whatever. And I think we're seeing that. going to be interesting. I, I have no doubt they're going to make it to the dome. It's going to be interesting to see if they take it all the way to, to a, a state championship and, and uphold that number one ranking that they've had virtually all season. And I don't know, it just reminds me uh, when I've seen the, the video and some of the pictures and things like that after their semifinal loss last year. What I, I remember you, Andy, or Hunter, to talk about Sigourney Kyoto having that, uh, that sour look after they lost that second game of the year. But it's kind of the same deal. Um, and I think Grimson St. Mary's has, has got to be the favorite. And, uh, and they haven't had a close game yet and uh, likely won't until they get quarterfinals or beyond. Well, I've had a whole bunch of more scores I want to uh, – uh, so I'm going to keep going with this. Uh, Madrid, Tigers uh, – or Madrid, they they beat uh, North Mahaska Warhawks 49-8. to eight. Uh, uh, Ogden Bulldogs have been kind of watching them pile up a lot of wins. They beat this IKA Manning uh, Wolves 39-20. to 20. And then Linville Sully. Linville Sully gets uh, uh, Bell playing 48 48- to 14. And you got anything about any of those uh, teams? Uh, uh... No, not, not anything smart, but I'll tell you, I was in the, it was, uh, my game started late and it was the second quarter. I looked at my phone and the Linville Sully uh, game went final. That was kind of a funny moment last night when we hadn't even hit halftime and I noticed that they were games already open final. So Linville Sully got that one done pretty quick last night. Yeah. What do you think, Scotty, of Linville Sully? Well, they, um, I think that was kind of a statement game last night. I don't know if Plain isn't, uh, what are they, 500 or so. But we, we do know that they, they put a beat down on Pekin a week ago. And Pekin's an on-the-rise team. Not surprised Bell Plain won the game, but they, they beat them down pretty good. And Linville Soley beat down Bell Plain last night. Linville Soley's, uh, you know, again, when I'm talking about those top five teams where you really can't uh, place one above the other too much there in that discussion in Class A. Um, and granted, their their schedule for me has been a little bit suspect, but they've met every challenge. And when they've played a couple of these teams here recently, like a Bell Plain or a Madrid, they have passed with flying colors. So, yeah, I expect them to make a good, strong run in the playoffs. Um, uh, going to the Dome for the Hawks is definitely not out of reach. Yeah, they're still one of the undefeated teams out there. Uh, well, uh, Lynn, North Lynn, there's a team kind of keep on. Uh, beats Marquette Valley 48-6. to six. And I guess uh, we'll cut that off there. But I do have one more uh, segment I want to ask you guys about. Well, I'll ask you kind of in the break to think about this. Uh, you can schedule another game if you didn't make the playoffs. You know, and uh, uh, I don't know, like you say, uh, I don't know what it would be. Uh, uh, well, well, give me a, a teams that could play each other that haven't had any wins where one of them could get a win that might be kind of a, a, a neat game for us to, to, to root for. Scott, uh, you go I'll first. Throw, I'll throw a High, Highland and Cardinal could be a fun one. Would be If, if they decided to do that, uh, Highland and Cardinal would be a fun one because they're local and they usually they used to play each other and they've played similar teams to similar scores. So I, I, if, I, if they were going to do it, I'd say Highland and Cardinal wouldn't be a, a horrible one. Well, let me throw one out before it gets ate up. How about uh, Louisa Muscatine goes and plays Eddieville Blakesburg? Uh, I like it myself. All right. What about you, Scott? What do you got? Uh, you guys covered the four that I would, would talk about. I, I The only thing I could add to it is what if you uh, crossed over a couple of those, say a Louisa Muscatine and a Cardinal or Eddieville Blakesburg and uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, Man, I'd like to see Mount Pleasant get a win. I picked them to beat Clinton, and they and they 
you know, put up some points. But Dave, you got me again on that one. You picked Clinton and uh, Mount Pleasant's still winless. And uh, I don't know who we've matched them up with, but I, I got to see my Panthers winless, man. Yeah, I got one. Mount Pleasant and Oskaloosa. That might be. That might be. Oh, yeah. I mean, or, you know, maybe North Sharon could get another new Sharon or something. Or maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe Pekin matches up with somebody just outside the playoffs, too, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, a lot think, of intriguing matchups, so we'll think about it. But uh, we'll challenge all four of those schools to find a matchup uh, that suits them. And maybe we can uh, uh, broker a game here. But, uh, yeah. well, guys, uh, this is a, 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 almost an hour-long uh, edition of the Saturday morning scoreboard. But I feel good about it. What do you guys think? Yeah, for sure. I do, too. Uh, one final thing about Mount Pleasant. I've been saying it all season. I haven't said it on here, but I'm going on record. Go back to the yellow helmets with the panther head and the stripes. That's where your wins are going to come from. No more of this red helmet with the NP on it. I want to see the classic yellow helmet with the stripes. <laughs> and now uh, I think you'll be on the right track if you go back to that look, guys. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Those are my favorite Mount Pleasant uniforms. The helmet with the stripes are cool. Absolutely. Everyone does the the, the letters now. I, I went to Sheraton. We have this. We have these awesome uh, silver helmets that we used to wear uh, with the, where they're the Chargers, and so I had a Charger horse on it. Now now it's just a big red C, and I don't like it. I, it's, I like, not, uh, it's not working. <laughs> yeah. If you look good, you play good, guys. That's right. Look good, play good. <laughs> well, uh, I I guess my closing thoughts would be it was. Uh, I, I, I've never been around such buttery voices as the PA guy there in Columbus and the, and the voice of God, uh, uh, Bob Coyle. Uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure to, to be uh, in between those dulcet tones last night. It was, uh, it was great talking to them. It was, uh, it was a fun night, Scotty. It'll go down in, in infamy. Uh, you got any parting shots, Andy? I know. What I was gonna say one last thing on that. Uh, the the potential of, of adding a new game. I don't remember which class they're allowed to do that, but I wouldn't put too much stock into it because I know a lot of these kids are basketball players, and and seeing how many players got beat up in football and are hurt, you know, heading into basketball and wrestling season, it might be a might be a time for a little rest for some guys <laughs> before they get back out and and keep uh, playing the sports. Well, uh, thanks for uh, raining on our parade and uh, putting that sour note at the end of this. <laughs> This episode. <laughs> All right. This is Round Guy Radio, which which was a great program for 59 minutes. All right. Uh, out of 60. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. Hold the phone, everyone. We got one more score uh, that we're, uh, we're bringing in. And, uh, Scotty, you have the score. You just brought this to our attention just before we went off the air. Uh, what? What is the what is the big news you got? Well, since since uh, going against David Johnson is a is a monumental task that never goes out uh, it goes well for me, and maybe you picked this one too. I'd have to go back and listen to it. But I picked West Burlington Notre Dame to beat Keokuk, and they pulled it off twenty four to seven. West Burlington Notre Dame's got two wins on the season. Yeah, it's great, Andy. What are your thoughts on this West Burlington team? You know that that. I mean, it was amazing that they could field a team. It was amazing that they didn't fold during the season and then uh, grinding out a couple big wins like this. How, 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 how do you think uh, – what are you thinking about that? Yeah, well, I, I feel a little vindicated because I said I said a couple times that I thought that West Burlington, at least when they were healthy, were just as good as as those the teams below Solon. So, you know, Fairfield, Washington, Keokuk, um, you know, uh, whoever else, Grinnell. I thought they, talent-wise, they were right with them, and they've had some bad injuries. And then even when they were field as a team, then they had a big injury with that running back. So that's big for them. And, you know, they play at Fairfield next week, and um, it'll be a team that's riding high against a team that's got a sour taste in their mouth a little bit. So uh, West Burlington has a chance to go play spoiler because, um, you know, it's, it's too bad for them because if they would have scooped up one more win, they could have been looking at a possible playoff spot. Uh, if they just won one of those games earlier this season that they lost. Well, I hope you stuck around and listened to the end for that. But West Burlington, Notre Dame, um, I mean, I don't know. You don't know how many people have been rooting for your team this year, you know, because of the circumstances that we are. You know, sometimes, you know, you got these great players and then you put up a great 
a great season and a great record, you know. But sometimes you got more uh, more problems than a, than a hornet's nest, and you still come out and you scrape out a couple wins. That might, you know, he might be coach of the year this year. There's a lot of uh, 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 great coaches and great comeback stories. And uh, I'm going to ask you both this question. We'll end on this. Uh, Andy, we'll start with you. Year of insurgency, of resurgency, I guess. Let's talk, you know, talk, give me a list of some of your, your resurgent teams. Oh, you mean that we're resurgent this year? Or res- the, I this year, you know, teams, you know, that that uh, uh, had been down. I'll, I'll just give you an example. Central League went from yeah, yeah. No, no wins in the three, you know, years and then then uh, uh, all the way into the playoffs this year, you know. So just give me an example of, of, of one of these resurgent teams. Yes, yeah, centrally, Atumwa, um, and I would say I would say the last two years for Burlington has been that uh, Burlington was pretty down, and, and all of a sudden they're you know competing for a, a playoff spot. So those would be the three teams that I can think of right away. That and obviously Columbus, you know, uh, that, but that's almost an easy one at this point. Well, Scott, you got anything to add to those resurgence teams? I'll just, I'll just uh, agree with Andy. He's, he's got the list down there. Um, but I'm going to go with Columbus myself just because it's been a 25-year drought for those guys. And even though they ended last year on the brink of getting into the playoffs and, and they got put out by Albernet last year in another close game, uh, I thought they'd get over the hump this year. I had no idea they'd be fighting for a district championship in the, uh, in the finale, but there they were, and they finished second. They're getting a home game. They're getting a playoff game at home. Uh, for the first time in 25 years. So they're, they're my pick for the most resurgent team because what I'm seeing, not only are they going to have a stellar year this year, no matter how it finishes out, they are set up well to, you know, do this good beyond this year. Uh, they've got a lot of underclassmen coming back and a great coaching staff. And if those guys keep it together, this is now one of those programs that will reload rather than rebuild. And I'm excited to watch it happen. Yeah, uh, I'll add uh, Pekin and uh, Van Buren County to that list uh, of, you know, teams that are, are yeah. rebuilding. And uh, uh, Pekin and Van Buren, uh, really solid years. Well, any comments on those two teams, guys? Well, I, I agree, and I'll also say for, for Van Buren and Pekin there, they were solid years, and it was too bad for, for Van Buren because they got a lot of seniors. Um, but those were two teams that were in, in districts that <laughs> – didn't come easy, so that was a tough thing, and uh, tough that neither will be in the playoffs. But uh, Pekin will have a lot to build on. You know, Van Buren will have to rebuild a little bit with all those seniors leaving. All right. Well, if nobody else has anything else, this this will be the the official end. As uh, if hopefully you're still listening after the unofficial end. So, uh, <laughs> but thank you guys for listening, and uh, uh, I can't thank. Uh, all the people in Columbus Junction that came up and said they watched and listened to Round Guy Radio floored me. You know, uh, Scott, I don't know about you, but it it's overwhelming when people come up and tell you how much they like the podcast. Well, what's it like for you? Well, you know, Coach Leckler, he, he says that when you talk to him every week, and I hope you're still going to talk to him this weekend, even though they, they're coming off a loss because there's a lot to talk about that's positive. But, uh, you know, that's a football town. They were just waiting for somebody to wake it back up. It's been a quarter of a century. And this team has done that. And uh, they're hungry for wins. They're hungry for uh, a playoff run. They're hungry for some coverage. And they're in a small community in the cornfields of southeast Iowa where we're spread thin. And, uh, you know, we do what we can to help them out there. And they've appreciated that. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's kind of overwhelming when you go there. But uh, – it feels good, and I'm I'm glad to to be a part of it in some small way. And mostly, I've been stoked to go see some great football because that's what it's all about: watching the kids. Hard work pay off. They have uh, done wonders with that program that I think are going to set things in motion for years to come. So, no matter how things finish this season, those five seniors that they'll miss next year have uh, left this program in a better place than it was. And uh, that's huge, and, and it's all on the kids. Well, it's, uh, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I just hardly got out of my car. And people were coming right up, heard my voice. Oh, you must be from Round Guy Radio. I recognize your voice. You know, and it, it's exactly 
what we were hoping would happen, that the kids would listen and their parents would listen and their grandparents would listen. And uh, I can't, everybody that introduced themselves to me was, I'm this this person's grandpa, I'm this kid's grandpa, you know, or grandma, or I'm, I'm Jeff Hobeck's mom, you know, uh, got to meet the, the head, the old head coach, uh, Jeff Settle's uncle, uh, the legend. Not, I'm going to try and get him on there. So uh, anyway, uh, if you guys have been listening, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful season, and uh, I'm a little teary-eyed that it's over. Andy, are you sad that it's over? I am. Well, well, well it's sad that it's over, but I think there's some the, the, the exciting stuff is yet to come. Yeah, the playoffs. So stick around. We'll still keep uh, uh, showing. Uh, listen to the wraparound show. It's fantastic. Uh, uh, thanks for listening, everybody.